Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. We are looking at 2 Peter chapter 2, from verses 1 to verse 3. We are especially concerned with the subject of false teachers today. As you well know, the ministry of teaching is one of those that were given by the Holy Spirit to the church, that God's people would be taught, nurtured, matured, edified to the glory of God. So what happens when the teaching ministry gets distorted? What happens when instead of good, faithful, biblical teachers, we have false teachers? And Peter helps us to understand who these false teachers are, what they do and how they do it, and why it is very important for Christians to be aware of their presence, for Christians to be able to discern the presence of false teachers, to discern the messages they bring to the church, and more importantly to understand their faith and be able to clarify it in the midst of counterfeit messages that are delivered by false teachers. So you look at Second Peter chapter 2, and this is what the apostle says. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words, their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. The subject of false teachers is one that should cause concern in the body of Christ today, especially because not everybody who claims to be a Bible teacher is commissioned by God, has been prepared to faithfully commit himself to the teaching of God's word, and in the midst of so many self-appointed teachers, it is very important that God's people understand the need to discern, and more so, the need to understand their faith, so they will not be led astray by deception of these teachers. The Bible has a lot to say about false teachers and the dangers they pose to God's people. A number of chapters or verses that we find in the Bible all warn us about the coming, the messages, the power behind the false teachers. Jesus, in fact, had a lot to say about preachers or teachers of a different gospel. He warned his followers about false prophets. He warned his followers about false miracle workers. He warned his followers that some of these teachers would not easily be discernible. A point in case would be Matthew 7:15, where he warns, especially talking about false prophets, and he says, watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Peter helps us to understand the nature, the intention, the motivation, and the outcome of these false teachers. And today we wish to concern ourselves with this passage in Second Peter chapter 2 to hear what God's word helps us to know about the subject of false teachers. Now what I want to do is to do a comparative study actually 
of chapter 1 of Peter's letter and chapter 2, because if you look at these two chapters very carefully, you will notice that in chapter 1, Peter begins to give us kind of characteristics of true and faithful Bible teachers. And then you come to chapter 2, and he begins it, number 1, reminding us that in the past there were false teachers, there were false prophets, they have always been with us, but now even more so, he says, even among you there are, will be false teachers, and the intention is to be aware and therefore stand firm against their deception. Now, if you look at what Peter tells us in chapter 2, you realize a number of things that I wish to take you through. Number one is that most of these false teachers will have what I call a different source of authority. Their message has where it comes from that is different from what you would expect from a true faithful Bible teacher. For instance, when you look at Second Peter chapter 1 verse 16, Peter says that we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is verse 16 of chapter 1. But what do the false teachers do? You look at chapter 2 and you look at verse 3 and Peter tells us that they will exploit you with the stories they have made up. So what we see here is that while true biblical teachers find their message and their source from what God has given us in the Bible, false teachers will rely on their own creativity. They will innovate stories. They will bring so-called extra-biblical revelations claiming God spoke to them. And usually the lure of such uh, claims is that people will quickly believe the revelations more than what the Bible is saying. Who wants to read an ancient historical book called the Bible when God has given recent fresh revelation, in fact, last night? So it's very easy for the members of the church to go away thinking about the revelation from the man of God instead of the word of God from the very Bible itself. We are told that false teachers will exploit you with stories, not with the truth, mind you. While Peter says, we brought the word of God when we came to you, the false teachers bring stories of their imagination and their creativity, and of course, stories from men can at best convince you, but they can't convert you. At best, they might morally reform you, but they won't transform you. And that's why it is very, very important for us that we are able to discern the difference. But number two, we notice that false teachers adopt what I would call a different position. What do I mean by this? In verse 4 of chapter 1, Peter says that the true Christian escapes the corruption in the world that is caused by evil desires. But how does he describe the counterfeit Christian? You read in chapter 2 verse 19, and he says that they promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity for such a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So in other words, if you listen to the message of a false teacher or a true teacher, in what position does that message leave you? You listen to a false teacher, you will be led into the corruption of this world masterminded by evil desires that come from deception. 
But if you follow a message from a true teacher, it actually gives you freedom against your sinful nature, against the deception all around you. And Peter is saying that while the true teacher leads those who listen to him away from corruption, the counterfeit teacher is actually mastered by that very corruption. In fact, as you look in chapter 2, Peter tells us that their motivation or the motivation of false teachers is greed. They do not teach you because they love you or care about your soul. They do not teach you simply because God has sent them to communicate this message to you. But they teach you because the intention is to deceive you, to distort what you already know, to exploit you financially and in several other ways. And what, what a sad story. But number three, we notice that when people who listen to the message of a false teacher, it also has a bearing on their character. Just as a true teacher will affect your character and your behavior as a listener, the same thing does happen when a false teacher is listened to. Again, Peter from verse 5 of chapter 1, he tells us that the true teacher or believer of God's word pursues goodness, knowledge, self Control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. That is verse 5 of chapter 1. But what do we find about false teachers? Well, he describes them in chapter 2 verse 14. And what does he say? They are experts in greed and their eyes are full of adultery. Did you hear that? Experts in greed with eyes full of adultery. While the true teacher is raising, developing, nurturing a congregation that exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, brotherly kindness, love, patience, perseverance, what is the false teacher nurturing and mentoring in his listeners? Greed, lust, evil desires, impatience, and the list goes on. But false teachers also, number four, we notice that they have a different appeal. What is it that they appeal to when they actually come to teach you? While a true teacher will appeal to the word of God, what is the appeal of the false teachers? Again, Peter in chapter 1 verse 19 tells us the source or the appeal of those that teach God's word. He says that we have the word of the prophets made more certain and you will do well to pay attention to it. He's saying that a faithful teacher is interested in getting the word of God that has already been passed on to us by the prophets and the apostles as laid down in the pages of the Bible. He is committed to the explanation, the proclamation, the exposition of God's word given once for all to the saints. But what do we see about the false teacher? Again, Peter will tell us in chapter 2, verse 18. He says that the false teacher appeals to the lustful desires of the human nature, that they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in air. A true, faithful, biblical teacher appeals to the word of God already given to us, appeals to the message of the prophets and the apostles, which is the foundation of the Christian faith and doctrine. And what does a false teacher appeal to? To the desires of the congregation that is listening to him, appeals to their curiosity, to the culture of the day, 
Rather than go to the word of God and make it a standard of authority, instead a false teacher wants to craft his message according to what his people's itching ears want to hear. He is likely to preach what will be in conformity with the culture of the day, what will be agreeable to the majority of his congregation, but not necessarily the will and the word of God. Oh, how dangerous that is. But we will also notice number six. Let me say it this way, that people who follow or believe the messages of a false teacher will always have a different fruit from the one that the Bible expects from faithful teachers and faithful followers. In verse 8 of chapter 1, again, Peter tells us the picture of a true teacher or even true people, who, rather true believers who follow the teaching of the Bible. He says that the true teacher is effective and productive in his or her knowledge of Christ Jesus. But what does the false teacher do? He identifies or describes false teachers as springs without water. Empty. What an extraordinary picture. They promise much, but they produce little. While the believers that are faithful or faithful teachers are growing in the fruit of the Spirit, what is happening to the congregation being led by the false teacher? Empty, springs without water, hopeless, helpless, restless, ever desiring, ever yearning, even when they get never getting satisfied, moving from church to church like butterflies, looking for more and more and more and more and more. False teachers, finally, we notice that if you listen to them or even receive their message, there will be a different outcome. Or if I would say there will be a different end from what the true teacher will have or will lead his congregation to have. Again, you look at Peter as he compares them. In chapter 1 verse 11, he says that the true believer or the true teacher who has endured to the end will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what is the fate of the false teacher? He says that the false teacher will experience swift destruction. That is chapter 2 verse 1. And in verse 3 he says, Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. When you follow a false teacher, trust me, the outcome of that following will be disastrous for you. I know I hear so many people who say, but you know, many people who follow false teachers usually are ignorant or innocent. In fact, they are very sincere in their faith. It is just the problem of the false teacher who deceives them. And you know what I usually like to tell them? That if you sincerely believe a lie, you will sincerely end up in hell. You are still sincere. The only problem is that you are sincere in eternal destruction. Yet, on the contrary, we know, or at least Jesus has told us, that you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you know God's truth, it sets you free. When you believe a lie or deception from a false teacher, Peter reminds us that swift destruction is coming and condemnation will not be long. I know right now you are wondering, you're saying, this is serious, I probably never heard of this before. And you are probably wondering, so what can we do about this? What is the way forward? 
if these false teachers are bad and that dangerous, and there are many and they are all around us, and they are not easy to discern, they probably are already in our midst in our churches. What can we do about this? One, to strengthen ourselves in the truth of the gospel and the word of God. Two, to discern them so that we can avoid them. Or even three, to equip ourselves so that we can respond when being tempted to follow these false teachers. Well, there are a number of things again that the Bible tells us that can help Christians grow in their understanding of the truth so that they will be able to discern earth. Number one is that Christians are encouraged and challenged to grow in their own spiritual maturity. As a Christian, you must know what you believe. You must know why you believe what you believe so that you can be able to communicate what you believe to those who don't know or who oppose you. If you don't know what God's word has said, the chances are very high that you are likely to believe whatever anybody will say as long as it comes in the name of Jesus. We are seeing this on television, we are hearing this on radio, people listening to different pastors, but without the ability to tell the difference between these messages because they do not have the standard of God's truth, therefore they cannot easily tell the difference between truth and error. The Bible encourages us not just to read it, but to take the time to reflect upon it, to meditate upon it, so that being filled with the word of God, we will grow into godliness and into conformity in the image of Christ Jesus our Lord. The same Bible encourages us not just to listen to preachers, but to be able to compare what they are saying with the word of God. I like this uh, verse in Acts uh, chapter 17 verse 11 very much. The one that tells us about the believers at Berea, where these noble Christians would listen to the teaching of the Apostle Paul, would excitedly receive it, but then we are told that they would go and search the scriptures to see what the Apostle Paul told if it was in conformity with the scriptures. They didn't believe Paul because of the miracles he performed. They didn't believe him because of his eloquence. Nor did they believe him because of how popular he was. They only believed him and received his message if it was in agreement with the already written down word of God. When you hear people preach in our churches, on TV, on radio, how do you respond to their messages? Do you believe them because the majority of the people say they are great anointed men of God? Do you believe them because they are excellent communicators or probably they promise what your itching ears were longing to hear? Oh, do you believe them? Because you have searched the scriptures and you have found their teaching to be in agreement with what God has already said. What do you do when a pastor's message is in conflict with what the Bible says? You believe the word of God. Pastors are sinners like everyone of us. They can fail, but the word of God does not fail. The word of God is faithful. The word of God is pure. The word of God is true. It is my encouragement to you as believers that you will learn to read your Bibles, that you will learn to study your Bibles, that in the context of Christian fellowship, as you serve and sharpen one another, that you will make the word of God central, for only by knowing, living, loving the word of God will you be nurtured, matured, grown to be discerning, discipled Christians who not only know what they believe, but graciously, compassionately and with clarity proclaim it to the ends of the world.
May God bless you so much as you ponder these words and most especially as you cry out for discernment that you will be God's people that know his will and his word and able to stand against all odds. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.